I will be reading from the books of Proverbs, chapter 7, 1 through verses 27. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now... I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens with, from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon he will come home. With much seductive speech she persuades him. With her smooth talk she compels him. And at once he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me. And be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So choose between these two. For your breakfast, would you go to Shady Maple or the Cloister Diner? For your vacation, would you like to camping in a tent or staying in a rich carton hotel? You have to think about it for this one, right? Would you drive Porsche or Kia? It's a hard choice. So what is a good life? What is good life to you? To live a good life, people choose the better and the best for themselves. People believe a good life means enjoying, possessing attractive things. Isn't it? Attraction, 
It means pulling. The power that pulling oneself towards. Like gravity, it's the same word, attract. We're pulled. What are you attracted to? What does pull you up in your life? But what is a good life of God or in God as a Christian? What is a good life? What is good life for Christian must be attracted to? Today's proverb warns us about good life. Because the good life of the world, the non-essential, can pull us off from the good life in God, the essential. Father, once again, in the proverb, the father using father and son and teaching. So the father is more or the teacher or uh, pupil. That's uh, God and the children, people of God. So father warns his son about this forbidden woman and the adulteress. Who is she? Who is the forbidden woman? It means she is somebody's wife. And the adulteress means a foreign woman. So, of course, she worshiped pagan god, idols. But this son is attracted to them because they are attractive, because they are, she is forbidden and adulterous. And the proverb says, she lives nearby. Right? Temptation to sin is always nearby. So even he knew, the son knew Everyone, the townspeople knew watching him, but he passed along the street and go to her house. That is the power of sin, attraction. The power always overwhelms us, even overwhelms our faith. So unless we have a greater power, greater attraction, than this, this attraction of sin will be sinful. We are pulled to the sin. So what is the power? Yes, of course, it is the wisdom of God, the word of God. So we must meditate them day and night. And also the intimate relationship with Jesus and be filled in the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we are no match 
for this overwhelming power of attraction, the power of sin. And the proverb says, the sun went to the forbidden women in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. In the ancient Jewish perspective, the day is the time of reason, rational thinking. But night is the time of sensitivity. So in the night, people become emotional with the sensual response. Because night, the darkness, blocks gazing on God and other people. I mean, spiritually. Remember, in creation, in Genesis, God made day and night. Day is the time to work. The creative, meaningful purposeful work for God's will. But night is the time to rest, right? Sleep. But what about today? Do you sleep in the night? Do you, do you rest well during the night? Since Thomas Edison commercialized this electric light in 1878, our night became bright, right? Night became sleepless, no rest. So in the night, during the night, people can work for their desire, their own desire, the sin. But we, can, we can't blame Thomas Edison for our sin. It is our choice to turn our eyes gazing away from God and gazing on the world, the good life in the world. We're seeking, in the night we're seeking the good, better, fun, exciting, attractive things. In fact, even in the day we do that. If we stop gazing on God and His creation, if we no longer wondering and admiring God and His creation, if we're not attracted to the view, beauty of God's creation, we're no longer able to say, wow, as we gazing on the creation of God, the Word of God. Then we are, we lost our meaning and purpose God designed for us originally but we become perpetrator of Satan, the sin. Verse 10 says, Behold, look, look. Proverbs strongly encourage us to open our eyes and look. Look at the reality. 
Look at the truth. It is enlightening. Enlightening. Our eyes, in the Jewish perspective, our eyes are the window of a heart. But to see the reality and truth, we have to have a light in our heart. Otherwise, even when we are watching, we cannot see the truth if we do not have light in heart. So that's in light. So the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right? The light is the wisdom of God. The light is the word of God. And the Proverbs describes the forbidden women with the dressed as the prostitute. She's someone's wife. But to attract another man, she wears dress as a prostitute. Without light in our heart, we cannot discern who is she. Right? This man. Even he knew they're living in the same town. He knew this woman is somebody's wife, but he went to her because there's no light in him. Do you have light in you? Do you have light in your heart? Do we strive to keep the word of God, the light of God in us? That's what we do. That's what we do with our spiritual discipline. You know, studying Bible, worshiping. Every activity, Christian activity, is keeping the light in our heart so we can see the truth. The forbidden woman is is also loud because she's desperate. The Satan is actually very desperate to attract people. So Apostle Peter said, Be alert and of somber, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't you see that? The temptations out there nearby, so easy to sin, right? So available to sin because they are desperate. They will do, Satan will do whatever he calls to tempt us, attract us. When she makes the world loud, the world is always loud, right? The world is always loud. You're watching news. 
You always see bad things, chaotic things, upsetting things, angry things in the news. Right? We don't see, we don't really watching or listen to a good, you know, heartwarming story in the news. Something wrong with this world, isn't it? Why we have to have, you know, listen to those only bad story in the news? Because the world is wrong. The world is loud and chaotic and wayward. So if we are gazing on the world, our heart is, of course, rolling and lurching, trembling, shaking. But remember, sailing during the storm, Jesus' disciples were loud and fearful and chaotic, right? They screamed. But Jesus was what? Sleeping in the, that tiny boat. Jesus was sleeping in the storm. So when his disciples woke him up, Jesus said to the storm, Quiet! Be still. And he, the, car, the, the storm became calm. Be still and quiet. The storm listened to Jesus. So Jesus has the sovereignty over natural nature. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Even the whole world is fearful and terrified, but we Christians should not be trembled because we believe God's sovereignty, providence in whatever the storms. Amen. Our predecessor, our former, our ancestor Christian, they've been through the last 2,000 years in church history. They've been through worse, much, much worse time. But we are still here as a church. We're striving to keep our faith in purity, right? And we are. At least our church, we do. So don't worry, do not fear the world being loud. So if we must have the faith, I told you, the faith is like a ballast tank in the bottom of a ship. So we have to fill this ballast tank with water. If the ballast tank is empty, then the ship, your your will tip over easily by the storm, even without storm. So we have to continuously, we have to fill the ballast tank with the water, the word of God, the relationship with Jesus, filled in Holy Spirit, so we can be calm and confident in the storm, in this world. And the forbidden woman said, I had to offer sacrifices and today I have paid my vows. It means this forbidden, this woman, Go to temple. And she gave peace offerings. Peace offerings, lots of animals. 
like two bulls and, you know, cows, I mean, um, the lambs and goats and, you know. So after peace offering, Jewish community, they have a feast. The whole community, the whole nation having feast. If we slaughter two cows, we will feast for a while, right? Then she said, so let's go party at my house. Because I went to temple today, I gave offering, and then the, the priest, uh, the rest, what, whatever they need for the temple sacrifice, then they give it the rest of the meat, lots of meat. So I have lots of meat in my house, no husband. So let's go party. How irony is that? They're sinning with the offerings to the Lord. But think about it. Many Christians go to church on Sunday to be the living sacrifice to the Lord. We do not slaughter anymore here anymore because we are the sacrifice. We are the living sacrifice. Because we are following Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. So we are, he come to church to be the living sacrifice to the Lord. Amen? Your envelope is not living sacrifice. It's a part of it. It is a symbol of your living sacrifice, yourself giving to the Lord. Then we giving to the Lord, come to church, and then we return to our home, and we just live just like the people in the world looking for the good life and gazing upon the world, not the Lord anymore. I think it's the same thing. We're sinning with the sacrifice ourselves to the Lord, with ourselves. We are, remember, we are holy temple. Paul says, we are only also holy temple. So we have to be very careful with our body and spirit and our thinking. But what we should do, and we give into the Lord this worship, then we go back. That's why I do the benediction. Go forth. Very deep, important part of worship is at the end, go forth. You go into the world, then you share your sacrifice, yourself, with the people in the world. Even though they are stranger, even though they are non-believer, we share with them. So we witnessing them. Especially those people, margins of our society, the needy and poor and lonely and sorrowful, you name it, your whole nine years. We have so many suffering people in the world. Not only because they are poor. There are people in your family, in your street. There are people who need you. So we have to share with them. In the verse 15, the forbidden woman pretends to God. Pretend as a God. She said, So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. It is very typical Jewish perspective of the Lord, the shepherd. Yes. The sinful attraction, even the devil 
always come out to meet us and seek us eagerly. And they always find us because we're looking for them. But God also had been searching for a human being, us, since the beginning of history, right? Where are you? Adam, where are you? And God is still looking for his people. Where are you, DJ? Where are you, Tom? Where are you, John? God is looking for us even today. Because he knows, God knows we are looking for him. So all people searching for God. Because we have this eternal yearning for the Lord. Because we are God's. After Jesus died for us, we, he, Jesus, restored our true life, eternal life in us. But our physical body is still living in this world. We're still kind of separated from the Lord physically. So we still have this feeling of uh, eternal yearning, eternal deficiency. So many people do not, lo- do not know the Lord. They're looking for something to fill their deficiency, eternal deficiency, with something else, with a good life or other God, other religion. But they will never be satisfied, as you know. No matter how many you know, nights you stay in the rich carton or how many Porsche you're driving, how, many, how big your mansion, your house is, it will not satisfy you because it is eternal deficiency. Only God can fulfill our eternal deficiency. And the forbidden woman says, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. She, she tried to attract the sun with them. But, but you know what? These items are exactly the same thing for the preparation of dead body for the funeral. To disguise, to remove the odor from the dead body. How irony is that? How there's a two meaning in this. They smells good, they looks good, they're so nice. The good life in the world, but it is also prepared for the dead body. We're dead if we're looking for those good stuff. Of course, temptation leads us to death. Not only physical death, but death to the Lord. As soon as we turn our eye from the Lord, we are dead to God. When we're looking for more and better, sweeter can kill us. We know that. And if we're looking for faster, higher, longer, further, that can kill our nature too. then why do people choose the death over life? Because that power, that attraction, the good life, it is a life indulgence. 
indulgence. We all have indulgence. I know some people indulgence for Starbucks. My former uh, um, secretary of church, every 3 p.m., she has to go to Starbucks. She has to go. <laughs> it's her indulgence. We, everybody has indulgence. But indulgence removes self. Removes self. And leads to oblivion. Make us forget. Right? And indulgence means addiction. We so love whatever the thing we, and we're, so we are falling in love with something. I'm sure you have fall in love with somebody some time ago, right? You remember, when you fall in love with somebody, you are blind. You become blind. Everything is good about him or her because we're indulged. So what do you fall in love with today? Where do we spend or invest our money, time, and energy? Wherever the most we spend, invest our time, money, energy, that's what we are indulged. What does make you forget about God? And the adulteress says, my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. At full moon, he comes home. It means they're in the darkness now with the crescent moon, right? So it's dark because this is time before Thomas Edison. So when there's no moon, it's dark. They're in darkness. So it's, this is spiritual nuance. In spiritual aspect, they live without light, would live without wisdom of God. But they should not like it too much because we know the full moon comes, right? But two weeks in two weeks, right? The moon returns. Like sun goes down and sun rises. There's guarantee. It's guaranteed, right? But people think that their night will be forever. Somehow. God will be home soon. Her husband will be home soon. Friends, we are in the darkest time now. But don't worry. Don't worry. The light will come. The light, the full moon will come. The Lord will come and justify and bring the justice to the evil and the good. We always have to in mind the day of judgment is near. So now, 
It is, it is our responsibility. It is now we must sustain this chaotic, painful time until the Lord comes. You know, becoming Christian is all the rugged cross. It's not down to the, you know, vacation or cruise ship or whatever, you know, Caribbean island. It is a rugged cross. It's not fun being Christian. But we will have, when we see the truth, we will have the true good life and fun in God. The proverb says, her house is the way to show. Proverb con- concludes, the fate of the good life is death. Many people blame their condition. You know, their parents, their family, whatever their life went wrong. They blame the fate So they excuse for their sin because of their fate. But like I said, faith is impossible possibility. It is impossible possibility because of God. Because of God. Because of we have faith. Impossible but possible. Because Jesus did impossible on the cross. Forgiving us was very difficult. It was impossible for God. So he had to die. God had to die. There's no other way to remove our sin Because we sin against God. So God has to die. But he was resurrected. So we are Christian. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are not just believers of Jesus Christ. But we are followers of Jesus Christ. Then we must do the impossible things in the world. We think the world is impossible to change. But God changed us. God changed the whole world. So now we must keep continue changing the world, change the world. We can change ourselves first. Turning away from gazing on the world and we gazing onto the Lord. And then we can change other people around us. They may, they may, they might change their sight. And we can change our country. We can change our country. Don't be despair. We can change our country. We can change our church. We can change the church. Amen. How Jesus changed us. Jesus changed his perspective on us. And he loved us. He changed us. We are still sinning, sinful, but Jesus changed his mind. He changed his perspective. 
So we are changed. Not because you and I live a holy life, we are changed. Because Jesus changed his thinking. So we must look at the world and change our view, perspective. But we must let them know what is the reality. The salvation has been done. Yes, if the world is not changed, there will be final condemnation. But when we look at the world, we have to change. Jesus died for them as well. Jesus loved them as well. So we have to tell them. We have to show them. When people rushing into the temptation like a bird rushing into a snare, let's rushing into the truth and the wisdom of God, then people might be curious why they are just doing opposite way. Why they're doing this? Why they're just come out city gate, you know, on Saturday and feeding 200 people in this hot day? Why? Why are we supporting so many missionaries we never met? Those girls in Africa, Sierra Leone, we never met. We don't know them. Why are we sending tens of thousands of dollars each year? We're making big difference. Many people in love, in the world. So we must rush into the truth. Friends, we are free in the confinement of God. Amen. We are truly free in the confinement of God. We are not free in the confinement of the world. No matter what, how much you have, no matter how, how much you enjoy with your life, having a good life, you are not free. So in Christ, we can free others. Unless we are free, we cannot free others. So let's be free. Free from our sin. Amen.